following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. What we've been talking about is this reality of if I am dead to sin and I'm alive in Christ, how do I live? How do I walk? Or if the same power that raised Christ from the dead is living in me, how do I walk? How do I live? How do, what does that look like? What does it mean to live the resurrection life now while we are also waiting for the bodily resurrection to come? And I think that sometimes we can, when we think about the resurrection life of Jesus, we can sometimes think about, yes, that day in the sweet by and by when we come into resurrected bodies. But what we're talking about is what does it mean for us today in the way that we walk? What does it mean to live where the same spirit who raised Christ from the dead is at work in my life? And I think classically we attach that uh, verse to the, the power to see signs, wonders, and miracles, which it is, that power, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. But what does it look like for that, that new life to be lived out, bringing me into new patterns and new ways of living in the here and now as well? The Holy Spirit's work is, yes, signs, wonders, and miracles, but the Holy Spirit's work is the renewed life and living as new creation. So, I'm just going to dive right in. We've been using the book of Ephesians, the letter from Paul to the Ephesians, to kind of talk about that. And we see that Paul lays this introduction in the first three chapters of revealing God's plan and his purpose for creation. He's revealing this this reality of Jesus' death and resurrection, putting all things back together again. Putting, bringing all things back into wholeness. When we talk about the shalom of God, that's really what we're talking about, that all things being brought back into wholeness. And so in the beginning part of his letter, Paul's talking about that. Um, last week, we talked about what he's saying is, you have this spiritual wealth in Christ Jesus. Amen. You have this spiritual wealth in Christ Jesus, and he goes and kind of lays out what it is, this new inheritance, this new life. You once were this, and now you're this. And then he transitions in chapters four through six, and he begins to transition to say, so live like this in that new life. And we talked last week about how that isn't a, a, uh, the instructions for building. It's not saying... Um, here's the pieces, see if you can put it together. What he's actually saying is, here's the operations manual for this new life that you now have. I don't have to build the dishwasher. I just have to know how to operate it and how it runs. And that's what he's talking about here. He's saying, this is how your new life in Christ functions. This is how, how you can walk now because you have this new life. So we have the plan of, that he's revealing, the death and the resurrection of Jesus is God carrying out that plan to bring about that restoration. And then as we're looking now, how do we walk in that resurrection? We're saying, how does the church, how does the body of Christ participate in that? How does the church participate in his plan and purpose for wholeness and creation? 
And the transition that we see is one big therefore in the first verse of chapter four, therefore. So all of these chapters one through three, therefore, because of this, live like this. He says, therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you've been called. Last week, we established that he's using language of value and scales. This word is axios, like an access, access point. And it's, it's weighing out. He's saying, let the weight of your living be equal to the weight of your calling. So that's kind of what we covered last week. And the first, the first piece of that, he begins to then lay out what does it look like? What is, what is of equal value to this calling of new life? And last week we talked about that living in unity is the first thing he talks about. That once you were not a people, now you are a people. And your resurrected life is you're resurrected into a family of God. Amen. I love the way that, that Troy and Dina create that for people. For, for those to come into a family and to look at what, you know, we're, we're not just individuals having a connection to Jesus, but we actually come into family, and family helps us walk that out. And so we talked about that aspect of unity. Um, so we, I think we went through kind of verses 1 through uh, 16 last week. And I want to pick it up um, today and talk about the, ne- the next aspect, the next thing that we have that helps us walk in the value of this calling, and that is that we would walk as new creations. In verse 17 of chapter 4 of Ephesians, Paul says, This I say, therefore, and I testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. So here he's saying, Gentiles, because we've already established he's speaking to Gentiles. He says, Gentiles no longer walk as Gentiles. No longer walk as those who are separated from God. We talked about that, that there's this separation that was restored to oneness again. No longer walk as those who are dead because you've been brought to life in a new life. And so this is his urge. He's, he says that word where he talks about, I testify. This is, he's it's to affirm in the Lord, to bring forth a witness, to say, you no longer have to walk in that way. And he says, don't walk like the Gentiles in the futility of their mind. Futility there means perverseness or emptiness or depravity. And it has sort of a meaning of aimlessness due to lack of purpose or meaningful end. He's saying, don't walk in that emptiness. That's death. But walk in this new life. Don't live like Gentiles anymore because you're no longer one of them. You're now in Christ and you're a new person with a new identity. So he's helping us to understand. Now what's interesting is there's other places in the word where, because sometimes we can say, well, God, I pick on the Gentiles a lot. But there's other places in the word where he says, because here he's saying, because of what Jesus did, no longer walk in the same way you were walking Gentiles. Other places he says to those who, who were Jewish, because of what Jesus did, no longer walk in the same way that you did because you were Jewish. There were some aspects of living 
outside of the death and the resurrection of Jesus that those who had grown up in the Jewish faith had to come into as well. Because his grace changes everything. We sang about it this morning. The death and the resurrection of Jesus changed everything. And, and it brought us into a way of living for, for those that lived as Gentiles, they were without any moral compass, without any obligation to God, and without any understanding of that obedience. For those who had grown up in the Jewish faith, there was this kind of sense of external law dictating your behaviors and the way that you walked. And, and he's saying, no, now everybody lives with this new life from the inside out. And that's what, what we, we want to walk worthy of that. Somebody messed up my blocks. So, so that's what we're adding to the scale today. It was you. That's okay. And actually, they're probably his blocks from when he was little. But um, Anyway, so we, we want to walk worthy of that and step into this newness of life. So in, in chapter 17, he says, don't walk like this anymore. Now walk like this. And then he kind of diagnoses the old way. In verse 18, he said, don't walk like those who have their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them, because of the blindness of their hearts, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanliness, uncleanness with greediness. So he's saying, here's, here's some of the way of the, the old way of walking. Uh, here's, a, here's a different translation. They, those without God, base their lives on pointless thinking, and they're darkened in their reasoning. They are disconnected from God's life because of their closed hearts. They are people who lack all sense of right and wrong and have turned themselves over to whatever feels good into practicing every sort of corruption with greediness or along with greed. So he's saying those who are disconnected from God are living life in the dark. They're walking around in darkness. And that darkness has set them on a path that, that isn't the path of life. And he's saying we don't have to walk that way. When, when we're in darkness, not just... This is it's talking about like a, a moral darkness. When our, our minds are darkened, our moral vision is diminished. It's distorted. And we tend to gravitate towards whatever feels good. And we see that, don't we, in our, in our what's going on in the world. This is, this is the same thing that was going on in Paul's day. When he, I think sometimes we can think like, it's never been like this. It's been like this. <laughs> That there, are, there have always been those that have walked in darkness, that, that don't know the path of life. And so then they gravitate towards whatever feels good in the moment. But he says, you don't walk like that. Right. You don't walk like that. He's not even saying you're not allowed to stop doing that. He's just saying you don't. You don't walk like that because now you are alive in Christ. And so as he, we look at that briefly, then he begins to talk about, but you have not so learned Christ. He's saying, but this is not what you've learned in him. This isn't what you've come to know. 
That word learned or know is actually, this is not what your experience is. To come to know, not just mentally. We all know mentally what we should and we shouldn't be doing, right? But what he's saying is, you haven't come to know by experience this way of walking because now you walk in this new way. So the imagery that he begins to to give us for that, he says, you've not uh, so learned Christ. And if if indeed you have heard him and you've been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. So he's using this imagery of taking off and putting on. He's saying, take off this old way of living. This is actually kind of a baptism imagery. Back in the early church, one of the Uh, practices of baptism involved the person that's being baptized would get into the water and actually take off their clothes, symbolizing the taking off of everything that had to do with the old man, and then they're baptized and they put on a different garment. How many of you are so glad that that is not the practice anymore, right? As a pastor, I'm super glad. But, but, It's the same concept. That is what is really happening in the process of baptism. That there is is a, a dying with Christ, a dying to the old man, to this old way that he's talking about, a taking off of that way and a putting on of Christ and walking in this new life. And we need to even think about that. This morning when I was trying to pick out my clothes, I was thinking, how about if every morning when I'm picking out my clothes, I think about, oh, I'm putting on Christ today. That, that I have this, this available to me. It's in my closet. Every, some of you who are parents, do your kids ever come out wearing something that's like so old and so stained and so, and you're going, why are you wearing that? We have good clothes in your closet. We have things that don't have holes. Or, but we do that, don't we? Don't we do that in the spirit sometimes? Yes. We put on those things. It doesn't really fit right anymore. It's stained. It's not really very comfortable or warm. But we put it on. And he's saying, take that off and put on, be clothed in the new life that you have in Christ. Let's look at verse 24. So we put off the old things and put on the new man which is created according to God. So it's putting off that which has been corrupted and putting on that which God created you to be. I think that's the piece of um, the message of the final work of the cross that I feel like was so good about what Pastor Dave brought um, a few weeks ago was this reality of the, um, we were created to walk in this newness of life. I think sometimes we can be confused and think, no, we are created and our first nature is for sin, 
But the reality is we're created to walk in this new life. There's the corruption of sin that's happened, but we were actually created to walk in this new life. So he says, put off this, put on this. And I want to focus just on um, just a couple parts of this that have to do with actually seeing that new life, that new creation come through our words and how we use our words. Because he begins to address that. He begins to address, what does it look like? What am I taking off and what am I putting on? In chapter 25, still in, in verse 25, still in chapter 4, he says, Therefore, put away lying. Let each one of you speak truth to his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So here's one of the things we're taking off. We're taking off falsehood. We're taking off lying. We're taking off not speaking the truth. And I think this is, this is a broad, truth is truth. Is truth. But we can be talking about the truth of just what is true of, of right and wrong. I think that's one aspect of it. But even just what is true in, in my life. When I'm, as I'm in community with you, that I would tell you the truth. That I'm not hiding and pretending everything's okay when it's not okay. That it's okay to not be okay, like at Timber Bay. And that we would speak the truth to one another. We would put away lying uh, let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who is in need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that you may impart grace to the hearers. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. He's saying, don't grieve, don't make the Holy Spirit weep over your words, the things that come out of your mouth. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, but instead be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So really quick, here's what we're putting off. We're putting off corrupt words. And that word corrupt is actually used to describe rotten fruit that is unfit to eat. We see it in other places in the New Testament, and it's talking about uh, rotten fruit or bad fruit. And so we're putting off words that are unfit for use, that are rotten, that, that are not fruitful. When we think about the fruits of the Spirit, even, we can go, does this carry the fruit of the Spirit? Nope, probably doesn't need to be said then, because it's just rotten. He says, put off bitterness. And again, that same word has to do with a bitter root that produces bitter fruit. It's connected to resentment. Put off wrath, which is outbursts of rage or passion, uh, passion-driven behaviors or words or strong impulses. Put off anger, impulse that has to do with punishment. So anger, here we see... Oh, wait, did I skip that whole verse? Okay, sorry, I think I skipped one. Here we see where he says, be angry and don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. So here he's saying, be angry and have wrath, but don't let the sun go down on it. Later, he says, put off wrath, put off anger. So this is one of those places 
where translation can, can cause a little bit of confusion because there's actually two different words here being used for anger. So the anger that we're talking about in be angry and don't sin, um, it's okay to be angry. We see even that that is a, a character, a, an emotion that God feels is anger. And so we, it's okay to be angry in the sense that um, this word is orgidzo, which means a settled opposition to be provoked. And it's positive when it's inspired by God. The anger that he's talking about later on is or, orge, which is a different word, and it means an anger that is focused on punishment and vengeance and is always negative when arising from the flesh. And so there's a difference in the outworking of that anger that, that he's talking about. So with our words, we want to be careful how we speak. We can be angry, but don't sin in that anger. The other thing it's telling us to put away is clamor or outcry, which is loud shouting or crying out with great emotion. Put away slander, which is injurious speech or name-calling, or calling something evil good, or something good evil. Or malice, which is ill will or spite towards a person. So these are the things we're taking off. And he says, instead, you get to wear truth-telling with sincerity of mind and integrity of character. You get to put on edifying words, which are words that build up a person. That word that is used for um, let no corrupt word come out of your mouth, but only what is good for edification. That building, that word for building has to do with building someone up to be a suitable dwelling place for God. That our job is with our words to address people with powerful words that allow us to be a suitable, or allow them to be a suitable dwelling place for God that promotes another person's growth. Are my words promoting another person's growth? Put on grace-filled words. And that, that is a, means something that's reaching to bless or leaning towards that person to bless them. Put on kindness. Put on tender-heartedness, which is a compassion. What's interesting, tender-hearted, my husband has a uh, something that he says to his sister, he says, love your guts, which I don't get it. I married into it. I'm not really sure. She says it to me sometimes. I'm like, great. But there's this thing, tenderhearted means loving with your guts. It's loving with this, this inner gut level empathy. I just think that's interesting. We think, oh, tenderhearted. No, it's like with your guts. Uh, forgiveness, which means showing favor and giving freely. So we get to, because of this calling that we already have, this value that we already have in new life in Christ, we get to put on these ways of using our words, these ways of walking with one another. We have this in our closet all the time. We have this that we get to wear. And I want to encourage us I think sometimes we can walk the Christian life in such a way where we leave on the old and we just put the new on over it, right? And then, you know, when we're confronted with something, it's like 
you know, okay, I'm back to the old man. And I think we need to recognize that we have put off those things. It's not just, okay, I'm going to try to behave this way or try. We have put off. That old way of living and walking is done. And so my words now can be truth-telling and edification and grace-filled. They can be words that reveal and unite and build one another up. They can be words of kindness and tenderheartedness and forgiveness because of what Jesus has done. So, Lord, let's stand. Aren't we glad that we can put off those ways of death, those ways of corruption, and put on the new life today? Amen? Amen. I encourage you, when you're picking out your clothes, you're going to think of this, and you're going to say, what am I putting on today? What am I clothing myself in today? Let that come through your walk and through your words. Lord, we thank you for what you have made possible to us in Christ. We thank you for the transformation that's already happened. We thank you that we're not building this new life. You have already given us this new life. It fully belongs to us so that we can walk worthy of the calling that you have. We pray, God, that you would help us to continually put on the new creation, that it would affect the ways that we talk and the ways that we walk so that others can be led into this reconciliation. We thank you, Lord, for a new way of living, and we choose to step wholeheartedly into it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org.